Hello and welcome to another episode of Secret Stories from the Underground. Today, Dean and I, we sit down with uh, Sandra Escott, a.k.a. Tiffany Million, former adult actress and entertainer, and uh, she did regular acting. She's done a lot of cool work. She's got a great story. We can't wait for you to hear this episode Please like and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already so you can stay up to date with all the new episodes that we are going to put out. Please and thank you. We appreciate your support. Here is our interview with Tiffany Million. Hello. 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 Hello, Danny. Hey, there you are. How you doing? I'm well, thank you. All right. I'm here with my co-host, Dean. How you doing? Hi, Dean. Pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for giving us your time. We appreciate it. Oh, you're quite welcome. How is your day going? What's it like where you're at? Extremely hot. I live in Arizona in a very small town, and it's very boring and very hot, and (laughs) you know... If you know anything about Arizona during the summer, there's no such thing as cold water coming out of your faucet. Even the hot, even the cold water is boiling hot. So I'm having to um, pretty much bathe out of the sink. The water's so hot in the shower, I can't even take a shower. So it's a little frustrating. I had to wash my hair in the kitchen sink. It's just scorching hot. <laughs> we were just recently in Arizona. We went to the Hoover Dam. And it, yeah, it's way hot there compared to... Rolling down your window was like just having the furnace blowing on you. Oh, yeah. I actually know a funny (laughs) joke about that. Just real quick, there's three guys going on a trip uh, to the Arizona desert, and the first guy brings a whole bunch of food, and the other two say, why'd you bring so much food? He says, well, if we get hungry, we can, you know, eat it. I go, oh, good idea. Second guy brings a whole bunch of water. They said, why'd you bring all that water? He says, well, if we get thirsty, we can drink it. Oh, that's a good idea. Third guy brings a car door. The other two guys say, why do you a car door? He says, well, if it gets hot, we can roll down the window. <laughs> nah, nah, well, nah, nah. So do you, do you enjoy living there for the most part? I love Arizona. I do not like where I live in Arizona. I used to live in northern Arizona, and it was much better. But circumstances being what they were, I had to come back to central Arizona. And uh, no, not crazy about it, but circumstances dictate that this is where I have to be right now. Uh, so that's it. <laughs> no, the answer is no, I do not like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the honest answer. At least. That's what we like. We like that. Uh, oh, you're originally yeah. from California. Do, do you like California better? California was a great place to grow up in the eighties when I was, you know, in high school in the seventies when I was in grade school, it's not the same California anymore. And I couldn't wait to get out of there. And my entire family has left the state, everybody. It has just become just a big liberal cesspool. And it's so, (laughs) oh man, everything is so restrictive and everything's prohibited. And there's a law for this and a law for that. And you can't do this and you can't do that. And you got the environmentalists and the liberals and the, the pro-illegal crowd, they have just completely destroyed, decimated my once beloved home state. It's just uh, not what it yeah, should you be. Can't, you can't even smoke in Beverly Hills anymore. 
it's like, you know, they, they get all pissy if you burn down a $30 million house or something. <laughs> yeah, the insurance companies, you know, they like those fires. So I don't know what they're all doing. Right? Everybody <laughs> makes money. <laughs> no, it, it was, so, uh, I started there when I did, uh, you know, and got to experience it growing up, but it's just not the same place. So, what was it like? Was it, uh, was it, was it a little bit more freeing? Or? What, what area did you grow up in, actually? I grew up in Northern California in the San Francisco Bay Area. And then I moved to Southern California when I was 19. I think I was, how old was I? 20. I think I was 20 years old when I moved there to get into the entertainment industry. And my growing up years were very typical until my parents got divorced. I was your typical leave it to beaver family. And then my parents got divorced when I was eight years old, but um, my life was thrown into complete chaos after that. And uh, it never seemed to let up some of that being my own doing, but when chaos becomes what you know, it becomes your comfort zone, <laughs> you know. What, uh, what pursued you to get into the entertainment business? It's just something that I'd always dreamed of doing ever since I was a kid, like a lot of kids, you know, always dreamed of being, I either wanted to be an actor or an architect or a teacher. And, <laughs> and Those I are very different going, fields. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a wide variety. It is. It is. So circumstances just threw me in that direction. And I, I went with it. Uh, look back at my life now, you know, it's, uh, it has its pluses and its minuses. There's parts of me that wish I would have done it differently, but we can't change it. We can only look forward. So that's what we do. Yeah, uh, for sure. What uh, you got your start in glow, correct? Pretty much. Yes. I did some small acting roles before glow and I was already in the entertainment business, but glow was my big break. And uh, it was very enjoyable. We had a lot of fun. Um, and there was a lot of, how do we say this? A lot of not so nice, nice stuff going on behind the scenes with glow. And that's why to this day, I know that there are uh, a, a group of girls who put together a new glow organization that includes a lot of the original glow girls, such as myself. And I refuse to be a part of it for a number of reasons. I don't want to live in the past. And there's a lot of, as you can only imagine, a lot of drama and gossip and neck biting and all that kind of thing. And I've never been that kind of person and I don't want to be a part of it. So I have shied away from any of the reunions and the new, what they call afterglow organization. And, uh, it was fun when I did it, but I just, I want to leave it there in the past. I don't want to bring it to my present, you know? So when you got into the entertainment business, did you ever imagine yourself being a wrestler? <laughs> no. And what's funny is growing up, I was so not athletic. I failed PE. I was a complete bookworm. <laughs> I was a wallflower. If you can believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who knew me from my childhood was taken aback by my career choice because they knew me as 
Uh, the smart kid, the bookworm, the wallflower, uh, not at all, not at all an outgoing person, not at all athletic. And so it, it wasn't athletics that drew me to glow. They kind of had to beat that into us for lack of a better term. But so no, you, I did not. Yeah. So when you went to glow, did you actually go there and try out or were you, you know, did somebody see you and think like, hey, you, you'd be great at this or? How it happened was I was doing small roles in film and television and radio. And the agency that I worked out of was in North Hollywood. And I went one day to look at the casting call to see what I could go out for. This is, of course, before the Internet, when you had to physically go into the office and look at the sheets and see what you wanted them to submit you for. And on the bulletin board behind the casting agent was a notice that said tryouts for the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Well, I had recently become familiar with the show because my two lesbian roommates that I lived with were huge fans. And they turned me on to the show and I thought, wow, it was really campy. And that's what I liked about it. The fact that it was so campy. I love the campy humor. You know, I grew up with, it, it, not sure how old you guys are. I'm 55 now, but I grew up with uh, campy comedies like Screwballs and stuff like that. And so, you know, um, Young Frankenstein and, uh, you know, um, all those kind of screwball <laughs> comedies. And I, I was always a huge fan of screwball comedies. So when I saw that Glow was doing, um, auditions, I decided that I wanted to go out for it. So I said to my casting agent, hey, send me out for that. And he kind of looked at me and looked at the sheet and looked back at me and he said, you want to do this? I said, yeah, yeah, send me out for it. And he's like, okay. And so I got a call from Matt Simber, who you know was the head of the GLOW organization back then. He is the uh, husband of the now long deceased Jane Mansfield. And he interviewed me, auditioned me, everything, and ended up hiring me, casting me in the show. And when they originally put out the casting call, they had several hundred girls try out, and they narrowed it down to the last 30-something, however many of us there ended up being, and I was one of the last 30-something that made it. How long did you actually, were you a part of GLOW? I did two seasons. So there were a total of four seasons. There were two seasons with the original, original little girls with like um, Tina Ferrari and, and um, you know, uh, all the original girls. And then season three and season four were the new original glow girls. So I did season three and season four. And it took us uh, about a year and a half to shoot all of that. And then we were on tour in between doing live shows. Um. So it really didn't take that long to film all that. And then I was fired from GLOW when I was at the Trump Castle Hotel in Atlantic City, New Jersey in January of 1989. I was fired. Um, and that is where I met Donald Trump, coincidentally enough. I met him there at the hotel. And I have some really great stories about him. I'm a huge <laughs> fan. Love the man. Love the man. Uh, yeah, it, it always pisses me off anytime I hear anybody saying all these horrible things about him if they only knew the real Trump. He's such a great guy. I just adore him. So I'm sure he'd be fun to party with. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, he's just he's fun. He's intelligent. He's very caring, um, very conscientious, very attentive. Like when you're talking to him, you feel like you're the only person in the room. And he's uh, he's a very caring person. I personally witnessed him 
um, paying the most attention to the lowest people on the totem pole at his hotel. He paid the most attention to the people emptying the trash and sweeping the floors and polishing the brass. He was very careful to make them feel important and appreciated and always made sure he looked them straight in the eye and put his hand on their shoulder when he was talking to them. And that's the Donald Trump that I know. He, he genuinely cares about um, the little guy. And that's how I got to know him. And so when he ran for president, I thought, man, this, this is our guy right here. I know it because I witnessed it. So, so when, when you met him, did you tell him that you just got fired? <laughs> I would love to be able to say that. He'd probably lap his balls off. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has a great sense of humor. You could say anything to him. That's why I love it. When I first met him, I didn't even know it was him. We, were, we had just flown in from Vegas. And we were standing outside the ballroom at the Trump. Um, it was actually the Trump Castle Hotel in Atlantic City. And we were all hungry and we were tired. We'd just gotten off the plane. We were told that this Donald Trump was coming to meet us in person. And, you know, in the 80s, you know, all of us, we knew Donald Trump as a rich real estate investor. You know, these days, the younger people know him as a reality TV star, but he's not. He's a real estate investor. So I always crack up when people say, oh, who does that that reality TV show guy think he is becoming present. Well, no, no, he was, he's a real estate investor and he's a businessman and he knows what he's doing. So we were standing in front of the ballroom where we were going to be performing. And there was a group of guys talking to our boss about maybe 15 feet from us. And we were just waiting and waiting and waiting for this Donald Trump to show up. And you know, when you think of a super wealthy person, I don't know about you, but I think of them, at least when I was younger, I thought he'd be in a tuxedo with a butler and all this stuff. And so there was a guy standing there with our boss, with Matt Simber and a few of the other guys from the GLOW organization. And he had on faded Levi's and a pink Izod shirt with the collar turned up. And he had a tan and like surfer hair. And we just thought he was just some guy, like a gambler from the casino. And so he breaks from the group that he was talking to. He comes over to us. He says, ladies, ladies, I'm so sorry. These guys are so boring. I'd much rather talk to you. I'm Donald. Nice to meet you. Held out his hand. Are you all hungry? We'll take care of you. He was so gracious, um, very self-effacing, just um, really was impressed with him. And it stuck with me for many years. But so I, was, did, I was fired from his hotel. I, the GLOW organization fired me from that trip <laughs> so did did he know that you were with glow at the time oh he, oh yes oh yes this was way before he was a wrestling fan way back in the day there i know that oh yeah well remember he did some some uh stuff with wwe and it might have yeah. been WWF back then yeah he hosted two of the wrestlemanias yeah, there. WrestleMania five. four and five yeah. were, were hosted at trump uh, plaza yeah. yeah he was a big fan so if you don't mind us asking, and if you don't want to answer, that's fine. But why did they fire you? They, they fired me because they found out that I was having a lesbian relationship with one of the other, um, the, one of the other glow girls with Nancy who played uh, dementia. And she also played the Black Widow. So I was having a lesbian relationship with her and they didn't like that. And they fired both of us, as a matter of fact. Really? Yes. Why did why did we I, care? Yeah, I don't I don't <laughs> understand why that would be. Is it like just breaking a character? Just that time period. Yeah, just closed mindedness at the I, time. I, 
I think it, no, I think it was just a power play. You know, oh. I, I don't want to say anything negative about Matt Simber because we've grown since then, but it was a power play. It was, I'm the big daddy, you're not, and <laughs> a lot of politics involved there. So I, I actually went back and watched one of your matches with uh, the widow, and there's a part in there where you rip her hair out. <laughs> now, <laughs> how, do, how do you do, do you actually pull a chunk of her hair out, or like, no, how do you no, do that? <laughs> no. Before the match, we had taken some hair from a wig, and we had sprayed it into her hair. Oh, okay. Yeah, we had, we had I, I, as I recall, we used some hair gel or something, and had taken some hair from a wig so that I could rip it out. <laughs> <laughs> but some of, those intro, <laughs> some of those intro scenes in that, like the interviews in, uh, prior to the matches, those are pretty entertaining. And it, I can see that campiness that you were speaking of. And uh, when, when you get to see those intro interviews and stuff. Yeah, I guess I had the ultimate campy skit. I was fortunate to be able to open every single show with Tiffany's Glow Gossip. Um, hi, everybody. Tiffany Mellon here with all the latest glow <laughs> gossip. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <Yeah. laughs> um, were you ever That's... intimidated going in that you might get hurt doing this? Oh, heck no. No, no. Did, I, did I, you ever get? Did I did get, you hurt? Ever get yes, hurt? Yes, yes, I did. I, I think most of us got hurt at one time or another because we were very poorly trained. Uh, we were not in any kind of shape or, or way to be able to be able to do what we did safely. Um, our our training sessions were. <laughs> you got to remember, most of us that went in there, including myself, were not athletic. And most of us had stars in our eyes just wanting to be TV stars or movie stars. And we were not athletes. Uh, I especially was not an athlete. And we're not, a few were, but the majority were not. And so most of us had never wrestled before. And we went through eight weeks of training with a guy by the, who went by the name of Benny the Jet. And they trained us in this old dirty warehouse where they ended up shooting glow. Uh, they used to shoot it at the Riviera Hotel, but seasons three and four, I guess seasons one and two, the girls had caused so many problems at the hotel that they kicked them out. And they went and rented this old warehouse where they trained us. It was it had no air conditioning and it had no heat. So during the winter, it was freezing cold. Our muscles would be hurting and you would get injuries because you were cold and you're in there trying to do something physical for eight hours a day. It was very, uh, very rigorous as far as what we had to do, but it wasn't proper. We weren't properly trained. We weren't properly conditioned. So yeah, there were a lot of injuries. Some girls have permanent injuries to this day. Um, I jail bait for one. I know she, hurt her knee really bad during training. And uh, there was another one named Queenie. She broke her collarbone. And, the, you know, these girls have permanent injuries to this day from that. I'm fortunate that I did hurt my hip and it still caught, I had surgery on it as a matter of fact, a few years ago. And so I did sustain some permanent injuries, but nothing like what these girls did. I feel very fortunate that I didn't because we really, um, we should have been hurt a lot more than we were. And it's probably our youth that saved us, you know, yeah. worse injuries, <laughs> but the training yeah, was bounce, so poor. You bounce back better at that, that age. What was your medical staff? Like, did they actually have good doctors or was that a joke? 
Oh, that was a joke. No, they had a couple of paramedics. Uh, the ones who were actually on the show were real paramedics, and they were there during filming, but not during training. So if somebody got hurt, they were just taken to the hospital. Uh, they sent me to a chiropractor when I hurt my hip really bad from doing a, a drop kick too low to the ground, and I ended up landing on my side and popping my hip out. Ooh. So, no, it, it, our accommodations were... Uh, meager to say the least and we were not well compensated we were not well cared for we were constantly berated we were constantly uh put down and made to feel like we were less than and i i, I know now looking back as an adult that this was part of the conditioning to get us to bend to their will we were all young they knew that we all wanted to be stars and that they could get away with a lot that they could really push us and they did they did really yeah, push us uh, Matt Simber had affairs with a number of the girls. Some of the girls were on drugs that were being provided by people in the GLOW organization. So it, contrary to its family's squeaky clean image, there was a lot going on behind the scenes that the public doesn't know about. And, and I'm sure and you, honestly, you, you hear a lot of those same kind of, you know, uh, horror stories that come out of a lot of the uh, wrestling organi organizations from that time in the eighties and that, that, um, you know, that a, a lot of people all across the board were experiencing very similar situations. Yes. So I hear. Um, now, uh, did, did you ever, um, did you write your own promos? Did they write that stuff for you in that? Um, did you just kind of go out and vamp? How did that work for doing the promos in that? It depended on the girl. I'm, I don't mean to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but that's one of my talents is writing. <laughs> so I, I wrote my own raps. I wrote raps for a lot of the other girls. I wrote some of the promo spots. I wrote some of the dialogue. We also had a show writer, Steve Blantz, who was terrific. He wrote some really great stuff. And we could give him our input. He didn't have an ego, which was wonderful. I'm, I was still friends with him up until a few years ago. I don't know where he is now, but I've, I've met up with Steve a few times. Anytime I go to New York, I'd always meet up with him. Really like the guy. But um, some of the girls wrote their own stuff. Some of them collaborated with Steve. Steve wrote, um, he wrote the scripts for the show but we wrote the matches and we wrote what the content of the matches so if you had a match it was up to you to get together with your quote-unquote opponent and and hammer out the match and the high points and the low points and the outcome no no actually glow told us what the outcome was going to be so um after the weekly taping we would get together afterwards i think they would give us like two or three days off we'd all gather back together on like a tuesday or a wednesday and they would run down the list. They'd say, okay, this week it's going to be Tiffany versus Nanochka. Nanochka wins. Uh, dementia versus Bade the Farmer's Daughter. Bade the Farmer's Daughter wins. So it was up to us to write out the match so that that person won to keep with the storyline. Okay. Now, I, I do have another question for you in regards to um, coming up with some of that. Now, who picks the names yeah the you get to the pick your, because some of those names are, are very entertaining and that so you know uh was that something did glow assign names in that or did you guys yeah. get did you get to pick that or 
No, Glow assigned the names, Glow assigned the characters, and that was the product of the creative minds of Matt Simber and Steve Blantz. They got together, <laughs> and and I think Tony Simber, Matt's son, who he's also Jane Mansfield's biological son, um, he had some input as well. But all of us wanted to be bad girls. Nobody wanted to be the good girls. <laughs> you know, everybody wanted to be beastie or be a biker chick, but I got stuck with you know, Tiffany Mellon and, and <laughs> they paired me with Roxy Astor, the Park Avenue knockouts. And we're still friends to this day, by the way, Tracy Phelps and I, we're still friends. Um, but, uh, no, they were assigned and some of us liked our characters and some of us were disappointed, myself included. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say your name really isn't one of the bad ones. No, no, it's, it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> jailbait's well, a little edgy. I think. Yeah, jailbait. <laughs> I would have been jailbait. <laughs> So Tiffany Mellon came from, you know, the Park Avenue knockouts. Tiffany from Tiffany's, the store, the jewelry store. Mellon okay. from the Mellon Bank. So that's the, the famous bank in New York, the Mellon Bank, the Mellon family. And then Roxy, the Roxy Theater, and Astor, the Waldorf Astoria. So they wanted to make sure that our names reflected the Park Avenue knockouts. And when they gave me my character, I had no idea what a socialite was. I had no clue what I was <laughs> reaching for. I did the best I possibly could. I had no idea what a New York socialite was. So I just kind of fell into that, that giggly daddy's girl kind of thing. And it worked. <laughs> it worked. So did you end up, are, are you a fan of, of wrestling at all now yourself or nope. not really? Or? Never have been. <laughs> no, never, <laughs> have been. <Nope. laughs> <laughs> Never been a fan of wrestling, even though I did it. And I didn't wrestle in just glow either. I, I went to Japan. I wrestled in Japan. I wrestled with the group uh, in Los Angeles for a while. You know, Medusa Michelli and that whole group. Um, Mimi, um, Magnificent Mimi, Medusa Michelli, I wrestled with them. But no, I was never a fan. It was just something that I did um, as a career at the time. But outside of performing, no, I didn't watch it at all. <laughs> Now, when you went to the other organizations, did you find them girls to be a little bit rougher than the glow girls? Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. And, this, and and if they knew that you were a former glow girl, they were extra rough on you. Really? <laughs> <laughs> because we were seen as kind of the lightweights. You know, we weren't, quote unquote, real wrestlers and they were going to teach us a lesson. And when I went to Japan, wow, the girls in Japan, they are serious. They are hardcore. I mean, they they hide razor blades underneath the wrestling mat. And then when they get thrown face down, they reach under the mat and they nick their foreheads with razor blades so that when they get hit, they'll bleed all over the place. And if you look at the Japanese female wrestlers, you'll see little tiny scars all over their hairline. And that's what that's from. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, they're hardcore over there. Boy, I opened the Tokyo <laughs> Arena in 1988. We did a show for 25,000 people. And it was... Uh, Tulsa, Beastie, myself, um, uh, Medusa Michelli went, and uh, what's her name? Queen, Queen Kong, Matilda the Hun. Yeah, she went. Yep. We all went together, and we opened the Tokyo Arena. That's, that's amazing, because that's like a legendary wrestling arena that you and, guys... And that's a hell of an audience yeah, to, I mean, play, that's, to that's perform crazy. in front of. Yeah, it was huge. And they're big wrestling fans over there in Japan. It was gigantic. The place was packed. But I did the, it was the very first show ever performed there. It was opening night that we did. So it's kind of cool to be able to say that I did that. I got pictures and everything from it. Yeah, that's uh, for sure a, 
awesome life story. So sure. once once Glow was finished there for you, you know, what did you think about looking at some of the, the other wrestling organizations that were here in the States and that at the time? Or, or did you just kind of know that it was time to start doing something else? Well, like I said, I did a few little wrestling gigs after that while I was going back into acting because I decided when Glow ended, I would go back into acting. And by that time, I had met a man and I'd had my first daughter. And so the acting roles kind of started drying up a little bit. And then I left him when she was a baby and I needed a way to make some fast money. And since I already had the name, you know, from Glow and I had my acting chops and I still had a nice figure... I decided that I would get into adult films and I figured I could probably be a big star because I can actually act. I have a name. I work out. So I look good and I'm clean. Like I'm not a druggie. I'm not a drunk. I'm not into any of that type of thing. And I thought it'd be pretty easy pickings. And I was right. <laughs> I got into adult films and had a very successful career, as you guys probably know, for a number of years. And then got out of that after four years and 100 plus films, won a bunch of awards and stuff. And uh, my father passed away and left me a bunch of money. And I said, well, maybe now it's time to walk away. And so I walked away, uh, spent a few years on the road, you know, promoting. I didn't have to do the movies anymore, but I was able to capitalize on the name I'd built for myself. So I went headlining around the world doing, you know, the strip clubs. And then... Um, I got into radio when I got out of that and did radio for a couple of years. And then along came uh, my TV show, Wife, Mom, Bounty Hunter, because in between there, I got my uh, I'm skipping over a lot because there's just so much. During that whole time, I was training to be a private investigator and I had gotten licensed as a private investigator. Mm -hmm. And during my tenure as a private investigator, I met some bounty hunters. And I thought, wow, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not, not really thinking about how absurd it is that a former porn star and glow wrestler is now going to be a bounty hunter. But that's what I did. <laughs> it, it does have a TV show written all over it. <laughs> but you asked me if I have any fear. The answer is no. No, I do not. <laughs> so, yeah, I got into it. And then Hollywood came a knock and found out that a former glow girl and porn star was now a real-life bounty hunter. Got offered my own reality TV show, did that for a season. And uh, then when that ended, I went back to being a bounty hunter and being a bail bondsman. And I did that up until about four years ago. And uh, because of some things happening in my personal life, I shut that all down, stopped doing it. And then I decided that I wanted to do something that really speaks to my heart. So I started driving a school bus for our local school district. Really? Wow. If you can believe that, I know. Go from <laughs> porn star, wrestler, bounty hunter to school bus driver. <laughs> and then, you know, what's funny, though, is that I enjoyed driving the school bus more than anything I've ever done. I really, really loved it. I loved the kids. Um, I loved the job. But when they found out that I was a former porn star, they fired me. Really? So here I am. And Do you? I'm do you find it's, that a lot of people still carry that stigma behind it? Not so much anymore. I think because this is a very small, very conservative, small town school district and where people are still afraid of what other people think and all this stuff. And um, they won't come 
out and directly tell me that's why they fired me, but I'm not stupid. You know, I, I've been yeah. at this for a long time and I can read people, you know, and I kind of <laughs> knew it was coming, no pun intended, but I knew it was coming. <laughs> and uh, as soon as the higher ups found out and asked me about it, um, I knew they were going to be looking for a reason to fire me. And they did. Now, so. if you don't, if you don't mind us asking, how did the conversation come up to get you into the entertain or the entertainment business? Oh, it was totally of my own doing because my oldest daughter's father was a general manager for one of the Deja Vu clubs, and they had a the one in Bakersfield. California and they had a, an adult video rental section at the club and so when he would come home from work on Friday nights he would bring home adult movies you know and we'd watch a movie and have a little wine and light a fire and have our little Friday Saturday night get togethers well when I was watching these movies I noticed that these women most of them didn't have any acting skills. The production values were shit. They didn't take care of their bodies. They seemed like they were just doing it for the drug money. I mean I thought you know if you're going to do it at least do it well. And so th when he and I split up, that's that idea was already planted with me. I thought, you know, I've got the figure. I'm not a druggie. I'm not a drunk. I can act. I'm a business person and I'm not shy. So <laughs> contrary to how I was as a child. So I just started making phone calls, asking people that I knew in the stripping business, if they knew anybody in the adult film business. And I found a few who did, and I was in an agent and some, are you still there? Yeah. yeah. Are you guys there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, you're not on speakerphone. I can't hear you guys anymore. I, can you hear us? If you can hear us. A call came in and it knocked. It's okay. It, it'll, it should balance out here in a second. Hello? Somebody tried to call you guys and it knocked us offline. Let's try to send me another link or something and then we'll, we'll finish the rest. Okay. Hey guys. Can you hear us? Can you hear us? Yes. I'm sorry about that. Somebody tried calling and it knocked off my speaker. Like I couldn't hear you anymore. Hey, no worries. Hey, no it worries. It happens. <laughs> You'll be able to edit, um, though, right? Uh, oh, yeah. No, it's a perfect, oh, yeah, no, it's a perfect spot. Okay, good. Where? Oh, yeah. I wanted to oh, yeah, mention this. Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> yes that episode uh, I did uh, of course with Demi Moore and I got to share a makeup trailer with her and she was very nice she was very friendly unlike a lot of the other stars that I work with because I did I, I've worked with a number of stars everybody from Madonna and Demi Moore to Bruce Willis to I mean you name it Drew Carey um, Demi was one of the nicer ones and that was a lot of fun doing that what 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 was Drew what Carey was Drew like? Carey like to work? He was very much like you see on screen. Just a real affable, <laughs> real affable, real friendly. Um, unlike a lot of the other comedians, like Polly Shore is, you know, on screen is 
um, a buddy and the surfer character, but in real life, because I dated him, by the way, in real life, he's right. a very right. solemn, somber, depressive um, person. Uh, I'm, a uh, I'm a comedian, and I'll say that. I'll say that. Yeah, you know, Drew Carey is super nice. He was super nice, super friendly, very easy to talk to. But you wanted to ask so, me about Tales so, from the Crypt? I, uh, I, I didn't uh, know that you dated Holly Shore. How did you guys meet? Ron Jeremy set us up, and I could kill him for that. <laughs> <laughs> He set us up. It, it, I went to an event that was a uh, it was an event in the memory of Sam Kinison because you know Ron, Jeremy, and Sam Kinison were roommates in New York way back in the day. And so you know, after Sam died, they threw a a show for him in Orange County, and and um, Jim Carrey and Polly Shore and Ellen DeGeneres and everybody were there. And Ron invited me because I've been friend with friends with Ron for a long time and we're still friends to this day. As a matter of fact, I spoke to him two weeks before he was arrested, but I've, I've been friends with him for a very long time. He mentions me in his book, by the way. And so after the event was over with, we were all sitting at the bar and he was trying to kind of push Polly shore on me. And he tricked me into going to Polly's house, telling me that we were all going to go and meet there and have a little party. And so I got there to his house in Hollywood and it was just me and just him and nobody else was there. And I asked him, I said, where's everybody else? Where's Ron? Where's everybody else? Cause it was also, um, Oh gosh, what's his name? Um, the two, the kid that's the one that's always talking about having men molested in Hollywood. Um, Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman. Yes. Corey Feldman was there too. Thank you. I was trying to remember. He was actually telling us his story back then and none of us believed him. We thought he was off his rocker and it ends up it was all true. But so they were all supposed to meet us back at Polly's house and I was the only one that showed up and I kind of figured it out after I was there about 15 minutes. I, and then he got my number and, you know, we dated and we went out and everything. But yeah, that's a whole book in and to itself, that so, story. So, what what about what, year? What, what about year? What would have happened? That was probably... 1994, maybe. Okay. Maybe about okay. 1994. Oh, so you were the shooter around that time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that was, yeah, big time Polly heyday. Yep, you bet. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. I got him back. I got him back on live television and live radio for what he did to me. <laughs> <laughs> he put it, this, put it this way. If he sees me coming, he runs the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the next hey, time I see Polly, I'm going to have to mention this. <laughs> That's great. Now, the, That's great. these days, pretty much all I, the only thing that I really have as far as my career goes, because I don't have a website, or I, I had one years ago, but I'm really not into that. I've created a, a Patreon page where I posted a lot of these stories about Ron Jeremy and, and my original pictures and my stories about Polly Shore and Larry King and some of the other celebs that I've dated. Um, I've, uh, my Patreon page, that's what it's about. It's my little insider stories about what I've experienced when I was in Hollywood and uh, my photos um, 
in my evidence, I've got stories about Jenna Jameson and her husband and stories about the Getty family and, of course, Ron Jeremy. And, gosh, there's Gene Simmons. I have a lot of stuff on Gene Simmons and the Kiss Boys because I hung out with them a lot. Haven't slept with any of them. Never slept with one of them. <laughs> did you say you dated Yes, sir, I did. Really? Wow. Yes, sir, I did. Obviously, looks and age are not important to me. <laughs> Glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, no, well, you know what? I, I found him to be a very entertaining, fascinating person. And he wanted to marry me. <laughs> That's a whole other story. And then he I'm ended sure, up getting sure. his, his current wife, Sean. Well, the, you know, his wife, when he passed away, um, he started dating her like almost immediately after we broke up. Like within a week, he was dating her. And she, she looks a lot like me. I think it was kind of like a rebound thing, but I'm glad it was her and not me. <laughs> looking back, <laughs> no, he's a no, he's, he's a, a he's a legend. You got a very got interesting, interesting story. You know, that's what everybody says. I mean, I think about, and there's so much more you don't know. I could go on and on and on, like. I've got so, and that's why, again, that's why I created my Patreon page. Cause I have all these little stories that are so interesting to people. And people always say, Oh my gosh, your story is so fascinating. I'd like to hear more. And I thought, well, I should start writing this down and make a book. And then I never really got around to writing a book, but then Patreon came along and I like it because as I think of the stories or as I discover the photos in, in my old stuff or the documents or what, you know, whatever proof that I have, I can write the story and upload it right there and people can ask me questions. It's interactive. So I thought that's way better than a book. And then if they want to, you know, support me and subscribe for $5 a month, great. If they just want to pay $5, go in and read the stories and leave, they can do that too. But it's kind of a win-win for everybody because I get to write my stories. They get to interact with me, ask me questions. It's way cheaper than a book. And they know that they're supporting um, somebody directly, not some book company, you know, that is going directly yeah. to me. Yeah. It's going directly to me because these days I'm not doing anything. I, I really want to go back and drive a school bus, but I'm having a real difficult struggle with it because do I like there's another school district here locally I'd like to drive for it. All my kids knew. They, my high school kids, they all knew I was a former porn star. They thought it was great. They love me. I, I just love my high school kids. Um, there is another local school district that I want to drive for, but my dilemma is do I go in there and tell them up front so I'm not heartbroken again if they find out and they say, oh, you know, we're going to get her out of here because she's a former porn star. You know, do I go in there and tell them up front or do I just let them find out on their own? I don't know. It's like it's a... It's a tough decision for me because it really broke my heart. It broke my heart when they fired me because I really enjoyed what I was doing. And I really love the kids and they love me. And they tell me I'm the best bus driver they ever had. They totally love me. They said I was the coolest bus driver. And I'm sure I was. <laughs> and, you know, I, honestly, you know, I, I, honestly, I would I, say that I you should be up front with them about it. And, and, uh, and, uh, you know, then you know, you'll then be sure to find the right fit for you. Yeah, I'm pretty much out of options if if that, you know, if if I go in there and tell them up front and then they don't hire me, they find some reason not to. I'm out of options because where I live, it's such a sparsely populated area of Arizona. There's only two local school districts and I've already been fired from one. So if I if I can't get a job with this other one, I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And um, 
I'm pr pretty bored to tell you the truth. I pretty much spend my days watching TV and making dinner for my husband. So how many kids, so how many kids do you have? I have two of my own and one stepson. My oldest daughter is 30 years old and has four boys. She just had one a year ago. So she has four boys ages 10 to one. And then my youngest, she's going to be 21 in September. She's a singer and she actually has her, some of her songs uploaded on Spotify and Apple music, whatever it's called. Apple music. It's on all the platforms, yeah. Yeah. but she's a rapper and a singer and, and she plays keyboards and she writes amazing i don't know where she got this talent from but she can freestyle her ass off i have never seen really a really? female freestyle you give her any subject any subject and she could just start blah, 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 and she can sing like whitney houston she's so talented um her name on spotify is ever sky s-k-y-e so it's ever like forever and then dash and then sky s-k-y-e so ever dash sky and she there's a picture of her on Spotify laying on her bed on her stomach, looking at her phone and kind of like in the dark, like romantic lighting. So you'll know which one she is, but she has her song notice up there and she's going to be uploading her song heaven and a few others. She's working on finishing the production right now, but um, I don't know where that talent came from. Cause I can't sing and I can't rap and she can do it on the top of her. You know, she's going to end up my youngest. I could just see somebody getting their, there are hooks in her for being a songwriter because she can just spit out hits like nobody's business. I've never seen anybody be able to come up with melodies and lyrics and song ideas. Just bam, 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 bam. She's just a machine. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you can ask her what it's like to be the daughter of a porn star, you know, cause both of my girls, are very open. I've always been very open with them about it. Um, there's no secrets in our family. And, you know, as soon as they started asking questions, I was very truthful, but I gave them age appropriate answers. So, you know, when my oldest daughter was, you know, five or six years old and wanted to know what mommy did for work, I told her, you know, like I would turn on a soap opera and I'd say, you see that lady kissing that boy? We'll see on TV, that's her husband, but she's pretending. So in real life, she goes home to her real husband. I said, well, that's kind of what mommy does. Mommy kisses boys on TV. Of course, she wanted to know where she could see it. And then I had, you know, come up with an idea. <laughs> so I gave her age appropriate answers, but, you know, they're both older now. They're 21 and 30. So um, they both know everything about me. But it would be an, an interesting interview for sure, because there's not a whole lot of people you can ask them hey your mom was a famous porn star what do you think about it you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's great that you were open you know you didn't yeah. hide any part of your life no no and and these days mm -hmm. you can't hide it even if you want to with the internet you know it's not like in yeah. tracy lord's yeah. day we you know where there's only one tracy lord's movie available you know the one movie she did after she turned 18 i met her too she's really cool but um both my daughters were on my TV show with me. Um, I had a reality TV show in 2007 called Wife, Mom, Bounty Hunter, and it was on the Wii channel. And both my daughters and my husband starred on the show with me. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that or not. Yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's, I did see that. You saw it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. It's on IMDb. What am I thinking? <laughs> <laughs>
So, so uh, when you uh, were doing, the, you bounty were doing hunt, the bounty hunt, the crazy thing that Oh my gosh, we could be here all day. <laughs> well, there was one particular case we worked on where the guy was evading us pretty successfully. We kept pinging his phone and finding him and we'd get there and he'd be gone and blah, blah, blah. So we ended up using my oldest daughter at the time. She was, I think she was 16. We used her as bait to draw him out and it worked. She was never in any danger, but we had, we used her as bait to draw him out so we could arrest him. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would never put my daughter in danger, but she was really good at drawing him out. Um, we had, a we had an incident one time. I mean, there's so many, I, you know, I could be here all day, but we had an incident one time we arrested a guy who we had been looking for, for a long time. And it was a very long drawn out case. And his mother was on her deathbed and he asked us if we could take him cause he was going to prison for a long time. Asked us if we could take him to see his mother cause he'd never see her again. He was going away to prison. So we did. And to make a long story short, he was able to get the word through to somebody that we were bringing him by his house to see his mother. And when we got there, we were surrounded. We were surrounded by at least a hundred people and he broke free from us and started running. My husband tased him. He fell flat in the street. Well, by that time the cops had been called. We had the birds in the air. We had the entire police force there. We had the floodlights. I mean, it was just nuts. It was one of the biggest incidents in the history of this city in Arizona. Like one of the biggest police calls they've ever had. This fugitive had, had uh, got broken loose from us and my husband tased him and he's laying flat on the ground bleeding from his head and then we had to take him to the hospital after that and we had to stay there with him for four days and oh it was just a big mess but i mean we've had um we've had all kinds of crazy things happen and we had a guy that we had to transport to jail who had been arrested for chopping up a woman's body and burying her in like five different locations in the desert and he insisted on telling us all about it during the drive you know, how he cut her up and where he buried her and how she screamed and, uh, just, yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah. You meet all kinds. You meet all kinds. I mean, my husband has a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he's had to put more than one person to sleep and we've had to break a few windows and kick a few doors. Not as many as you see on TV, maybe one or two in all my career, but most people come peacefully. Once they realize they've been got, they come peacefully. But then you get those ones where they're the three strikers. The three strikers are dangerous because they have so, nothing to lose. So with doing the with reality, doing the reality TV, TV show, was any of that embellished? Was any of it No, not on mine. Everything was real. The, the only thing with my show was that there were a few things that we had to go back and reenact because either the camera crew wasn't there to catch it, but just little things like phone conversations and maybe a word said here or a word said there. But 95% of everything that was on our show was absolutely real, and it happened just the way you're seeing it happen on TV. Absolutely, okay, and I insisted okay, on that. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I insisted on that. None of it was set up. It was all real. That that's cool. That, that's, that's cool. cool. That makes that's it cool. That makes more it interesting. More interesting. That's one thing with that's reality thing TV, with reality shows, TV like shows. I can never, shows, tell, I can never tell whether it's real whether or it's just real or just all made up. All made up. So. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of it's made up. As a matter of fact, speaking of bounty hunter reality shows, this morning I came across an old email that Doug the bounty hunter sent me in 2009. I was clearing out an old email address. And he sent me an email in 2009 saying, "Hey, girl, it's Dwayne the dog. Love your show." You know, and then um, I wrote him back, and then I got an email back from Beth 
a bitchy email saying, don't email this address. We want nothing to do with you and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was like, God rest her soul. God rest her soul. Yeah, she had some yeah, attitude. She had some attitude. <laughs> yeah, she texted me a few times telling me to stay away from her husband. And I would text her back and I would say, don't flatter yourself, honey. I wouldn't be with him if he was the last man on earth. I mean, have you seen my husband? My husband is 12 years younger than me and he looks like a model, okay? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been with my husband and we're in our 21st year together and when I met him he was 23 and I was 35 and now I'm 55 and he's 43 and going to be 44 pretty soon and, uh, I'm guessing your I'm husband doesn't have bullet though <laughs> no 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 <laughs> <laughs> no he, he, he sports a, a fade he always has <laughs> oh that's awesome oh that's awesome <laughs> Real quick, real quick, before you get off here, do you have anything else you'd like to promote? No, just my Patreon page. And my Patreon page is a little hard to find because it's not under Tiffany Million. It's under Hollywood. So it's patreon.com forward slash Hollywood. But Hollywood is not spelled how you think it would be. It's H and then the number three. So Helly with the number three and then Wood is two Qs instead of O's. So it's h three l l y w q q d and it's short for the hollywood defector because that's my name on twitter that's my name on um telegram i go by the hollywood defector but hollywood is spelt like that and that's intentional it's so i can remain okay. obscure okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also yeah you know what i'll give an email address i have an email address where the fans can email me if they'd like to and it's real easy it's sandybabe66 at Hotmail. So my grandma calls me Sandy Babe because my name is Sandra. So sandybabe66 is the year I was born at Hotmail. So S-A-N-D-Y-B-A-B-E-6-6 at Hotmail.com. So that is an email address that is reserved just for my fans. Awesome. awesome. That's, That's cool that you're still trying to get contact fans. You know, as long as they're polite and not rude and, you know, don't want to say all kinds of filthy things to me because the porn star thing is just an act. Okay, guys, it's an act. It's not who I really am. I always like to say I wasn't really a porn star. I just played one on TV. Yeah. Do you remember that commercial? There was a commercial on in the 90s, and I don't know how old you guys are, but there was a commercial um, – I can't remember the name of the show, but there was this actor that played a doctor in some TV show. And the commercial was for, I think, a prescription medication. And that's how the commercial starts out. He goes, I'm not really a doctor. I just play one on TV. But yeah. if I'm sick, but, so that's where that comes from. It comes from, that's why I say, I'm not really a porn star. I just play one on TV. So if you understand that, you're giving away your age. <laughs> yeah, actually, wasn't yeah, that George? Actually, wasn't that George? It was for, something like for, that. I don't remember who it was. I just remember the commercial of him saying, I'm not really a doctor. I just play one on TV. So one day somebody asked me about being a porn star, and I said, I'm not really a porn star. I just play one on TV. <laughs> and it just kind of stuck. It's, <laughs> me and my quick wit, like somebody asked me one time what my favorite position was, and I said, oh, you really want to know? Here, I'll tell you. And I go, okay, listen, here's my favorite position. Okay. Arm extended. Yeah. Palm up turned. Yeah. Check in hand. <laughs> <laughs> when I get paid position, arm extended, palm up turned, check in hand. 
And then um, somebody, there was a Carl's Jr. commercial one time for their burger, their $6 burger. And the commercial went, if it doesn't get all over the place, it shouldn't be in your face. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> you remember that commercial? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Well, somebody asked me one time because I did this movie called, um, it was a gangbang movie. It was oh, called Starbangers. That's right. It was a series where the biggest stars in porn did their first gangbang. And so I did a gangbang with, I don't know, it was like 24 guys or something like that. Anyhow, somebody asked me what it was like to receive all of that jizz on myself at one time from 24 guys. And <laughs> I quoted the Carl's Jr. commercial. I said, well, you know what they say, if it doesn't get all over the place, it doesn't belong in your face. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'm always coming up with stuff like that, man. You, you, have have a have a you have to, you have to, you, you got to laugh because you know what, what's done is done and you can't change it and you got to work with what you got and you got to move forward and that goes with everything in life. So you might as well have a laugh while you're at it. Right. That's true. That's 100%. true. 100%. <laughs> we, we agree with we that. We agree with that. Yeah. Well, we will let you go it'd be my pleasure and i'd love to hear from the fans that they want to email me at sandybabe66 at hotmail.com feel free awesome yeah we'll make sure that we make sure that we patreon okay thanks guys much appreciated Hey, thank you hey, very thank much. Thank you very Sandy. much, Sandy. Sandy. We appreciate it. Keep in touch. Yeah, you too. Yeah, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.